Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, Calvary Church. How are you feeling today? Yeah, it's beautiful out. The fall is coming. Anybody excited for the fall? Yeah. Well, hey, if you are a regular attendee, welcome back to Calvary. It is so good to see uh, your awesome faces. And if this is your first time with us at Calvary Church, something that we love to say around here is welcome home. And we hope that you feel that today. And uh, when you come back, we just want you to know that you are now family. And if this is your first time, and if you have uh, questions maybe about our church and our ministries, ways to connect here, or even questions about faith or the next steps to faith, we would love for you uh, to fill out this green card. You can fill this out um, and drop it off at any of the doors or the welcome centers. You can find them behind several of the seats. You can also scan uh, the QR code behind several of the seats and fill this out digitally. Regardless of which way you do it, please stop by any of our lobbies and pick up a guest box. It's a gift from us to you for visiting today. We hope to see you again real soon and be able and, and have the opportunity to serve your family in the near future. And if you're watching online, if you're with us, hey everybody, can we say hello to our online family watching all over the world? Same goes to you. We'd love to connect with you right now. We have some hosts there in the chat ready to do that. We have an online pastor as well to uh, ready just to connect with you and right now a digital connect card is popping up we would love for you to fill that out and if you want a gift sent in the mail please click that option and let us know that you're there throughout the worship service thank you so much for tuning in uh, well as we continue in our next aspect of worship here at calvary church uh, if you would like to connect um, in the area of generosity giving and worship the Lord that way, there's a few ways you can do so. You can go to calvarytriad.church slash give, and there's tons of information there on ways you can give, uh, kingdom builders, text to give, or even mail in funds that way. But you can also today uh, give online through there, or even text to give at your convenience. You can text um, your amount to 84321 and uh, give that way as well. And also we want to remind you of our Kingdom uh, Builders uh, project or, or focus this month, which is Urban Tribes. And again, you can find out more information about what Kingdom Builders is. You can go to our our website again at calvarytriad.church slash give, give you the information about Kingdom Builders. Also, you can stop by our Welcome Centers and pick up a Kingdom Builders uh, pamphlet, get all the information. But this, this month's focus is Urban Tribes, and it's part of the Assemblies of God World Missions Initiative, Church Planting Initiative in Africa. Um, and a couple weeks ago, if you were with us, uh, Adam Fogelman, one of Pastor John's uh, close friends and part of his small group, is, is part of this ministry where they're going into the most influential cities in Africa and planting churches. And so our goal this month is to, is to raise $15,000 for urban tribes so we can be part of what God is doing in Africa. So can you prayerfully consider that this morning? Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us and being with us for everything else happen, uh, happening here at Calvary. Uh, please check out the screen. Hey, everyone. My name's Landon. Welcome to Calvary, and thank you for worshiping with us today. There's a lot happening here at Calvary, so we wanted to take just a few minutes to share a couple of things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. We are excited to announce that our new website is live at calvarytriad.church. On our new site, you'll be able to stay up to date on all of our upcoming events, find a small group, and so much more. Please take a few minutes and add this site to your bookmarks or your favorites. Again, that new URL is calvarytriad.church. Our next water baptism service is October 2nd. If you've not been baptized in water, this is your next step in following Jesus. Not only has he commanded us to do it, but he modeled it for us by being baptized himself. 
It's also a great opportunity to share your faith and invite your friends and family to Calvary. So don't wait any longer. Visit calvarytriad.church forward slash baptism and sign up today. Here at Calvary, small groups are a big deal. We believe there's no better way to follow Jesus than to grow in our relationships with each other. You can find all of our groups online at calvarytriad.church forward slash groups. Join one today and find God through connection with others. We're better together. We had a blast painting the town yesterday. Through Kingdom Builders, we contributed $6,000 and we were able to serve others in our community by painting two homes in the area. Thank you to all of you who came out and served. We're already looking forward to the next opportunity. We're so glad you can join us today. Make sure you stay connected with us throughout the week online at calvarytriad.church and on Facebook and Instagram at Calvary Triad. God wants to speak to you today. And our prayer is that you grow in the knowledge of who he is and his plans for your life. Let's prepare our hearts for God's word. Well, there's a lot happening here at Calvary, and uh, thank you so much for being involved with uh, all those opportunities. Let's jump right in. Excuse me, the year is 1952. Nelson Mandela established South Africa's first black law practice specializing in cases resulting from the post-1948 apartheid legislation. He traveled throughout the country as part of this campaign, trying to build support for nonviolent means of protest against the discriminatory laws. In 1955, he was involved in drafting the Freedom Charter, a document calling for non-racial social democracy in South Africa. Mandela's anti-apartheid activism made him a frequent target of the authorities. Starting in 1952, he was intermittently banned and severely restricted in travel and association and in speech. And in December of 1956, he was arrested with more than 100 other people on charges of treason that were designed to harass the anti-apartheid activists. From 1964 to 1982, Mandela was incarcerated at Robben Island Prison and then kept at the maximum security Polsner Prison until 1988. Mandela refused multiple offers for freedom on the premise that only free men were able to engage in such negotiations and as a prisoner, he was not a free man. Finally, on February 11th, 1990, the South African government under President de Klerk released Mandela from prison. Many years later, on May 10th, Mandela was sworn in as president of the country's first multi-ethnic government. As president in a highly divisive culture, he was daily presented with opportunities and the authority to exact revenge or overlook the past and offer forgiveness. One such moment is depicted in a scene from a movie you may have seen called Invictus when his chief security officers are confronted with this idea of serving alongside of people who they have every reason to have a huge offense in their lives against. Watch this scene with me. You look agitated, Jason. Well, that's because there are four special branch cops in my office. Oh, what did you do? Nothing. Well, they say they are the presidential bodyguards and they have orders signed by you. Ah, yes, ah, yes. Well, uh, these men are special trained by SAS. They have lots of experience. They protected the clerk. Yes, sir, but it doesn't mean that they have to come. You asked for more men, didn't you? Yes, sir. I asked... Um... When people see me in public, they see my bodyguards. You represent me directly. The Rainbow Nation starts here. Reconciliation starts here. Reconciliation, sir. Yes, reconciliation, Jason. Comrade President, not long ago, these guys tried to kill us. Maybe even these four guys in my office tried and often succeeded. Yes, I know. Forgiveness starts here too. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. 
forgiveness. Why is it so important? Why is it so difficult? If it's so important, then why is it so difficult to achieve? And how, how in the world could we offer forgiveness? And also, how could we be forgiven? These questions are three that I would pose to you today that the scripture is not silent about. If you're here with us today, one of the ways that we like to not just consume what the word is speaking to us in this experience here today, but also put into practice, one of the ways we like to do that is just by taking notes. And so there's a note card there in front of you. And I'm going to just encourage you to possibly take some thoughts and ideas and notes as it relates to the answers to these three questions. Why is it so powerful? Why is it so difficult How do we achieve it? See, this series that we've been in, in Acts, talking about this story of God continuing in us, it's it's full of the highlight reel moments. It's full of the depth of conversation and and, and thoughts and, and really deep spiritual principles. Today is one such thing where they're in the middle of an incredible event we see a principle of forgiveness being displayed in one of the apostles' lives that quite honestly is very challenging. You see, in the last couple of weeks, in the latter parts of Acts chapter 6 and then into chapter 7, Acts 6 we saw last in our last moment with, with this story that there were um, opportunities for the delegation of authority through different tasks in the local church, in the in this early church. And there were men that were assigned to accomplish these tasks where, where the apostles, the leaders, had, had kind of delegated out some of this authority. One of the men that had one of these roles was a man by the name of Stephen. He was very effective. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts 6, in the latter portions there, how that he was given opportunities and, and God did great things through the life of Stephen. And yet in the middle of this positive impact in his world, people made up lies about Stephen. They said things about him that were not true, so much so that it, it, it rose to the level of the authorities and people began to, to believe things about him and what he was saying that was just simply not true. In fact, they brought him into an environment there where we've seen this story repeated over and over. And if you've been with us on this series, it just seems like, here we go again. There's a a follower of Jesus being put before these leaders and being accused of this, this treasonous activity. Stephen, in this situation, if, if we're not going to jump into the, the fullness of this, but I just want to encourage you that Acts chapter 7, like first 53 verses, it's a lot. It is an amazing recollection that Stephen presents to the leaders of the story of God and how God reacts and interacts with mankind. I just highly encourage, go through and if you say, what is this whole story of God and how he relates to, to us as men and women. Boy, Acts chapter seven is a great retelling of that. And on the heels of Stephen presenting the story of God to these leaders, we pick up this story in Acts chapter seven, verse 54 with this. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. At the end of his story and telling the story of God, he had rightfully accused them of being guilty of of sentencing the Messiah to death. And they were furious at this accusation. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I love this picture and just go with me just for a second to see the fullness of God represented in this place too. It's very similar if you remember the story of when Jesus was baptized, there was this moment where all three members of what we would like to say the Godhead, God in three persons was represented. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Same thing here takes place when Stephen looks into heaven 
and is full of the Holy Spirit. He gazes and sees the glory of God and he saw Jesus. They're all there. They're present. And they are saying, Stephen, we are here for you. And it's with this assurance that Stephen goes through the next several instances in this story. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their ear, their hands over their ears and began shouting. Well, how mature of them, right? Have you ever seen, have you ever joked with people and you, you know what someone is saying is true, but you just don't want to listen? And we do the same thing. La, 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 I'm not listening to you, whatever. And you almost do it in like a joking, kidding way. I'm not so sure that's their heart in this situation. Here's these leaders that are hearing Stephen and they literally are just like, we don't even want to hear the truth. We're going to block you out so that we don't hear what you're, you're saying. It sounds a lot like some of us sometimes when we have people that come and have different views and opinions. La, 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 I'm not listening. You know, that kind of deal. This incredibly... I will say it this way, immature response that these people have in this moment is just, uh, it's shocking. So they put their hands over their ears, begin shouting, and then they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. It just went to a whole nother level here in their opposition. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're not going to get into the way this next statement, this, that statement there about Saul interacts with the story, but I want you to understand something, that this beautiful story of God's word and the birthing of the church, it's, it's just an unbelievable drama unfolding before our very eyes. If you don't have any uh, understanding of this man named Saul, stay tuned. Right, The next few episodes of this story, we're going to see how this has incredible impact in, in the, the birth of this church. So they get to this place, they ignore what Stephen's saying, they take him out of the city, begin to stone him, and then here's where Stephen reflects this idea of forgiveness that's very challenging. It says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus... Receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with this sin. And with that he died. Forgiveness. We see it played out in lives of people that we view as heroes, as, as historical figures and, and, and people like Stephen and and, and if you can put yourself in that position, the people literally had the rocks still in their hands. And he sees the glory of God. He sees the Son of Man. He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit. And in that, that powerful moment, he says, Lord, forgive them. Don't charge them with this sin. I got to admit, when I see a story like that, it challenges me. It, it allows me to say, would I respond the same way? We like to think that, but when it comes to it, the, 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 the point of, of critical decision, forgiveness is really difficult because justice and fairness and equality and all the things that we, but when we see God's word, there's this attitude of forgiveness that's quite compelling for us as followers of Jesus. Forgiveness, if you look through uh, different opportunities, even online, not even in the Bible, but like the world even understands forgiveness is, is, um, is very important. Google, if you'll do forgiveness and, and see some of the definitions there, one of them just simply says this, it's a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve such forgiveness. So what can forgiveness do? One article from uh, Psychology Today, not from a Christian perspective, it says, what can it do? It can reduce unhealthy anger. Forgiveness can repair relationships. It can cause you to grow in character. 
it can offer assistance. And then there's this parenthetical in this definition where it says this, within reason. Isn't that interesting that we like to reason out some things like, well, within reason, right? There are some things you just can't forgive, right? We've all said that, not maybe in those words, but we've We've challenged ourselves with this. this. This definition says, offer assistance within reason to the one who acted unjustly. Then it says, to exercise goodness in and of itself as a way to improve the world. I got news for you. This goodness that, that, that this definition says is in and of itself, self, it does not come from flesh. I promise you, because my flesh is not bent towards that, Right? Only through the filling of the Holy Spirit and through catching a glimpse of the goodness of God can we truly ever reflect goodness. That's why I think even forgiveness is something, even though the world sees it as a positive thing, the fullness of it only comes through our relationship and interaction with God and his word. I just want you to know that even this definition, offer assistance within reason, Sometimes there's not even reason that can explain the level of forgiveness that God wants us all to have. Say, Pastor John, I'm not so sure I really agree with you. This story of Stephen, let me just tell you what, reason does not say when you are being murdered and the rocks are still being thrown, hitting your head and body to the point of death. Reason does not say, Lord, don't, Don't even charge him with this sin. Reason says vengeance, fight, defend, come against. No, but forgiveness says something totally different. Why is forgiveness so important? First question. And the answer is the most important thing that you'll hear today. Why is forgiveness so important? Because it is absolutely key to our relationship with God. Absolutely key. Our forgiveness and level of forgiveness with each other directly impacts your relationship with God. It just does. Matthew's gospel says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. How many of you are glad to be in this room and you're forgiven? Can I hear an amen in this place? Hallelujah. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Wait a second. God is all powerful. God loves all. God forgives. God, the, the word says that the wage of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life that he offers that to you. But this verse here says God will not forgive your sins if you don't forgive us. That's heavy, church. Can I just, can I just uh, you know, get there with you and say that's a challenging verse to me. And for some reason, all throughout Scripture, this, this contingency of our forgiveness in our horizontal relationships and the, the connection between that and our forgiveness level in our vertical is, is threaded all throughout Scripture. And I would just submit to you today that because of that, forgiveness is very, very important because it is connected to our and key to our relationship with God. It's not just one verse. Matthew's gospel also says in chapter five, highlighting the significance of this forgiveness with each, with each other. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Singing songs in church, corporate worship. We're, we're just engaging in worship. It's happened to me before and the Holy Spirit will just trigger something in my mind. It says, you know what? There's something wrong there in, in a relationship that you have with someone else. The Bible says that is of such importance that we should, and I'm not, you know, context is different in the day and age there. However, the principle is still true. I've 
done it myself, right? When you're in, in worship and you, you feel like, oh, there's just something that's not right in your relationship. Take a note on your phone. Make yourself a reminder. Set up a th- Hey, shoot a person a text and say, hey, there's something off here. And, and can we grab coffee? Can, can, I, just, I, I cannot with fullness even be in a position of worship and, and yet have this kind of twinge with each other. And the Bible gives a very clear understanding of this, that, that the relationship that God has with us is so contingent upon our relationship with each other. That's why forgiveness is so important. We're going to understand a little bit more of how this plays out so much. It goes on and says, go, be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You think forgiveness is a big deal to God? Yes, it is. So much so that he says, hey, hit pause on your worship of me and go fix it with one of my kids. That's pretty tough. That, but that's what God's word is saying. That's an incredible statement. Mark's gospel in the 11th chapter says, but when you are praying to God, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Do you understand the significance of this moment where Stephen was saying, rocks in hand, stoning them, and he says, Father, don't hold this charge against them. Stephen had seen the glory of God and had such impact on his life that he was demonstrating a a characteristic of God himself. And he said, God, forgive him. Just don't hold this against him. That's pretty pretty challenging. That's difficult for us. Please, please understand the, 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 uh, the power and the depth of this is not in any way me saying, wow, you guys, you guys really should get this because I got it mastered. No, 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 no. We are all on this journey of saying, God, Holy Spirit, just create in me a clean heart and help me when I come into contact with your word, put it into practice. And today, Stephen is giving us an example of how we can love each other better so that we can love God better. An author that I've just uh, finished a book by this past week, uh, is incredible, in, in her book, Intimate Friendship with God, Joy Dawson says it this way, we are only as close to the Lord as we are close to the person we love the least. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote that in my journal this past week and I said, Lord, please, Please don't allow me to be the type of person that would publicly or even privately in my times with Jesus express this deep affection and love for you beyond my love for my fellow believers and my fellow men and women of God. It's impossible. We cannot grow in our relationship with God beyond the level of our relationship with each other. Church, I hope you understand why when we say vision statements all the time, why they're so important because the scripture backs them up and we say we're going to experience God, follow Jesus and serve others. We'll never serve others to the level of significance that God wants us to have if we're not following Jesus appropriately. And we will never follow Jesus appropriately if we're not serving others to the level he would ask us to do. And that includes forgiveness. Say, Pastor John, that's, that's great. I understand the why, but the how is really, really, really difficult. Yeah, it is. Why is forgiveness so difficult? I want to submit to you today um, a few reasons why I believe that we, especially in our culture, that this forgiveness idea is so difficult um, for us to achieve. Um, I mentioned it a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and and uh, this is there's a lot of a lot of my opinion in this. So just let me let me preface it with this. But for me personally, I recognize in my own life that forgiveness is difficult because I have grown up with the idea that that everything has to be fair and equal. 
And in the absence of that, there, in, there automatically is some sort of offense, whether it's from things that really are, are not eternally significant, uh, i.e. at Christmas, when, when my parents, you know, they, I was blessed. I lived in a great home and my mom and dad loved me. And I remember as I got older hearing my mom and dad explain why, um, why we got specific gifts. And there was this desire to make sure that, that my sister and I got equal level of gifts, right? That if we're going to get, if somebody's going to open three, then the other person's got to open three. And when you get older, the gifts become more expensive. And I remember my mom, she would, you know, give another little gift that really was nothing just so you, so I would have three gifts and she would, you know, this fairness and this equality was there. My kids have done the same thing, right? It's just this idea. None of that is like inherently wrong. I'm not saying that, but we do it all the time too. We, we talk about in workplaces or different things. There has to be this, this fairness. And in the absence of that, again, that's fairness and justice and right. That's, that's, not, that's not necessarily wrong, right? But in the absence of that, we, we have automatically gone to this, uh, this place where we, we embrace the offense really strongly, right? And we're going to fight against this injustice and equity and equality. Oh, yes, I get it. And all the, most of those things, right, are, are good. But we've bought into this that we have a right to harbor this offense when that unjust injustice or inequality is there. And I just got news for you. That's not the picture I see when I look at the life of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. God, don't charge this sin against them as the rocks are hitting. That's justice. Is, that's, a, that's a tough thing. Even between services, the early services and this one, I had a conversation with uh, a great man of God that was just like, how do you reconcile this idea of Jesus coming into the, to the house and to the, to the, the temple there and turning over the tables and, and it is, it, you know, in, enforcing justice into this situation and yet forgiveness. I said, you know, one of the ways is that there was, a, there was this justice attacking that particular issue, but forgiveness to the person. I think I need to say that again here a little bit. There's, there is this level of justice when we deal with the issues of truth and, and, and not when the world comes against truth that, that I am all forced. The word of God is true and it is going to confront. But there's a totally different posture when we say to that person, I have an offense towards you and I'm not going to offer forgiveness to you. You can still stand for truth and offer forgiveness Jesus did, and so should we. Why is it so difficult? Because we want to wrestle for this, this equality and equity and fairness, and then we attach, when that, when that doesn't happen, we attach our offense to the person. Stephen, Jesus Christ, even in the posture of what we saw in this movie, Nelson Mandela and different people throughout history, when they have the right the great men and women seem to always offer this forgiveness. Another reason why I believe it's so difficult is because we have, uh, uh, we have assumed that to forgive is also to forget. And I just want to tell you, I'm flesh, you're flesh. That's impossible. <laughs> It's hard for us now. Some of the wives are in the room right now. Says, so "I don't know. My husband does a great job forgetting a lot of things, Pastor John. That's good. I understand it. Right? We can forget things, but when things are in our lives that we say, you know what? I'm going to forgive. It's really impossible sometimes to forget. And even though that's the case, it does not remove us from the responsibility to forgive. One of the the authors that I was reading this past week says it this way: um, Jay Adams in the book for. From forgiven to forgiving says this, obviously the omniscient God who created and sustains the universe does not forget, but he can, quote, not remember. Now, some of you say, wait a second, that's just semantics. So let me, he goes on. You see, forgetting is passive and something that we human beings, not being omniscient like God, we just do. 
Not remembering is active. It's a promise whereby one person, in this case God, determines not to remember the sins of another against him. It looks like this. Pastor Tom, I forgive you for that thing. Pastor Tom's never done anything wrong in his entire life. So this is a bad illustration, right? So Pastor Tom, I forgive you for what you did to me this week or whatever. And I drive, go along my day and all of a sudden I, that memory comes back in. And I say, you know what? I choose, I forgave him. I will remember that no more. I'm still, I still remember the thing. And boy, let me just disclaimer. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is so gracious to us that honestly allows us to forget. So that does happen and praise God when it does. But for me, sometimes it hasn't. So I'm going to choose not to remember or hold that against him any longer. It's gone. I might still not, uh, I might still remember it, but I choose not to hold it. You see the active versus passive. The Bible says it this way in God's response to those things is pretty cool. He says, then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Hallelujah. (laughs) How many of you are grateful for that, right? Oh my goodness. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. I'm just here to tell you, you that are in the room and those that are joining online, if there are sins that you have confessed and and asked God for his forgiveness, they're done. They're gone. He has actively chosen to remember them no more. Let me get deep for you just a second because this, for me, it, it helped me grasp this. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knows everything. God knows the past. God knows the present. And God knows the future. If in my past, I have asked and received for forgive, forgiveness for things that I've done, can God unknow those things? No, he knows the past. He knows those The difference is that when I come to him and I say, God, I am sorry for those sins in my life. I receive forgiveness that you purchased for me that had to be paid through your son. That's why we would say they're under the blood. It just means that we recognize the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Forgiveness of sin is available to us then and he chooses to remember them no more because they're under their blood. They're forgiven. Are they still there? Yes, but when the enemy jumps up on your shoulder and says, you can never be in your future what God wants you to be there because of your past, you say, you know what? No, I, enemy, I, you're just wrong. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. When sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. So devil, you're a liar. Get thee behind me. My future is great because God remembers them no more. Yes. And yet for us as humans, we're not God. And that's really difficult. That's really difficult. That's why we have to answer that first question so powerfully and be convinced of it. Why is forgiveness important? Because it directly impacts our relationship with God. But it is difficult. It is difficult. Forgiveness is difficult when we attach it to feelings. I don't feel like forgiving them. Okay, Well, Pastor John, you don't understand what they've done to me. No, I may not. You've never walked through that hurt. I can never forgive them. Well, then your relationship with God will never be what it needs to be. Well, wait, time out. Now, now God is all, you know, he's loving and, and, yeah, yeah. But we've just read his scripture that says that our forgiveness quotient, that the level that God will forgive us of those things in our life and in our lives is directly related to our forgiveness that we offer other people. We were walking through this this challenging portion of scripture today or this past week and we were just kind of wrestling with this idea that if forgiveness is really a promise, then, then we should do that. Does, does that mean that those situations that many in this room, just because I know statistics are true, many in this room have walked through situations in your own lives that involve abuse or uh, mistreatment or uh, just just people are, are evil, right? And, and the things that we do to each other are terrible.
terrible. Many of you have walked through that. You say, Pastor John, are you saying that I just need to, to overlook and continue to put myself in those situations where those things would take place? Absolutely not. Here's the difference. We always, no matter whether it's forgiveness, grace, love, peace, trust, generosity, the principles of scripture, right? You, we do a disservice to and mishandle the truth of God's word when we take one slice of the, the, the word that he's teaching, pull it out and say, we're just gonna live by this little piece of our little, little, little spiritual pie and, and think that everything's gonna play out well in, in, if we do that. The truth of it is that even in the posture of forgiveness, in the totality of God's word to us, you know what the Bible also says? That we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as dove. Wise in that we don't put ourselves back into situations where we're, we're mistreated or abused. We get out of those situations. We can choose to remember no more and not continue to put ourselves in those situations where people harm us or do wrong to us and they cause us the unforgiveness, right? The Bible also says to flee from temptation. That's a truth of scripture that, that allows us to, to, to be wise in those situations and yet still offer forgiveness. We were wrestling through this with some, some, uh, some people this past week and we had this discussion because I know when you talk about forgiveness, a high percentage of the time, the thought bubbles that are over each of your heads right now, and those of you online as well, you probably have attached a name to someone that you have either in your past or are currently wrestling with this, this forgiveness quotient. And a high percentage of the time, it's family or those really close to us. And that's hard to, to differentiate between, God, I, I got to forgive that person and yet be wise in how you interact there. Please understand what I'm saying, that we can achieve this level of forgiveness and still have wisdom and remove yourself from the situation that got that unforgiveness boiling up inside of you in the first place. Why is forgiveness so difficult? Well, when we attach it to feelings and not a promise that we extend to other people, we're not reflecting what God does for us. Well, I'm so glad God says in his word that, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins no matter what. It would really be a bad situation if we served an emotional God who at some days would say, you know what, just not feeling too patient with you today, bam, you know, or whatever. Boy, wouldn't that be a bummer, right? No, 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 that's not God. He says, I am going to offer forgiveness to you, not based upon any feelings, as if he could be manipulated by feelings. It's God, right? But it's for us the same way. We would say, God, we're going to offer forgiveness based upon the promise that you give us and not just a feeling. Luke's gospel says it this way. Watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. If there's, any, if there's repentance, then forgive. And then it says this. It just blows my mind. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. There's a difference in saying, I'm going to choose to remember that I forgive you because I know my relationship with God is so important that I don't want that unforgiveness that I harbor towards you to in any way limit the relationship that I have with my heavenly father, even if it happens seven times a day. We joke about this a lot, say, well, this person's on number five. Like they are really treading on thin ice, right? So it's um, when they get to eight, bam, there it is. Well, we'll, we'll, we could show you other scriptures where where Jesus himself says, no, not even seven times, but 70 times seven. The number is not the important thing here. It's the posture of our heart. Why is forgiveness so important? Because it reflects our relationship with God, and it is very difficult when we choose to be based upon our feelings and not the promises of God. How then do we forgive? How are we forgiven? As we wrap this up here today, I want to challenge you with some simplistic application to this idea, how do you forgive? We were talking this past week and each week, if 
try to as much as possible meet with some of the staff here and some of the leaders and it's a variety. I say, hey, what am, I'm feeling that God's saying this and they kind of, they shoot holes and talk about different ways of just in communication. It's just, I, I told Kim this past week, it's probably my favorite meeting of the week because it got, I get to kind of practice this moment here a little bit and see what God's doing. And in that conversation this past week, I got to this point and I said, how do we forgive? How are we forgiving? And it, and it was just like, I, I could I could live it out, but I was really struggling with like, how do you communicate the the act of forgiveness? How do you forgive? Like I could go through the, the, the Lord's Prayer and you know, forgive us our trespasses and all this stuff and really talk it in, in churchy terms, right? I can do that. I could say, well, you just say to that person, and then before long we, we do this little pattern and we say, well, if it's just words then forgiveness really is a heart issue. So, so how do you get beyond that? How do you forgive someone? We were in this, this meeting and Pastor Clayton's a part of that, that room and, and he said something, I was just like, ah, oh, that's the drop the mic moment. I mean, like, duh, Pastor John, why didn't you, you know, whatever. But it was just cool to see small groups are a big deal, right? Even those that we, we uh, interact with. He said, you know what? The, the best way that I can say is that it's really, 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 really hard to harbor unforgiveness towards someone that you're praying for. And I, was, I, had this, I had this giant, well, duh, <laughs> moment there where I'm like, well, thank you, Pastor Clayton. That was it. And so it was just like we, we, we landed on that and we kind of talked through that and I've been processing through it. And then even between services had someone come and say, that's exactly right. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Luke's gospel says it this way, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Those that have the rocks, love them. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. That's really tough. And yet really dependent upon us to to lean into that, to to offer forgiveness. This morning, many of you, I I just know what happens when you talk about these ideas of forgiveness and, and implement in our lives. We have things or people or events in our past that we, we say, you know what, Pastor John, I believe you, but I understand the truth of God's word, but you, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready here. And if we go back to the beginning of the, the message here today and apply this principles of scripture that says, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't, you mean God limits himself? I think he wants us to become more like his son so strongly that he would say say to us, hey, go get things right with with my kiddos and then come and talk to me. Does he ever stop loving us? No, never. But I do believe that scripture teaches us that our relationship with him is contingent sometimes on our unforgiveness to each other's church. Let's be a people that never limit the things that God wants to do in and through us because we have things in our horizontal relationships that we're holding on to just so we can have that vengeance, right? Vengeance that we think is ours in the first place. And scripture says it's not even ours. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. From the book I read earlier, there's also a quote that says, refusal to forgive is a decision for vengeance. How do we forgive? We, we would just do well to pray for people. How are we forgiven? God's word says this. Pastor Clayton's gonna come and help me conclude as we wrap this up. First John's gospel says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. As I close this morning, I want to tell you another story about forgiveness that many of you may have read in history books. And why is it that men and women that are so influential and their legacy lives on, if you get down into the, the, the crevices of their lives and what made them great, starting obviously with Jesus Christ himself, there is this forgiveness level that's just off the charts. Corey Tinboom, 
and her family, they resisted the Nazis by hiding Jews in their home and they were ultimately discovered sent to this concentration camp. Corey barely survived until the end of the war. Her family members died in captivity, seared by this terrible trial by fire. Corey's faith in God also survived. So she, and she spent much of her time in post-war years traveling all throughout Germany and Europe sharing of her faith in Christ. On one occasion in 1947, while speaking in a church in Munich, she noticed in the back of this room this balding man in a gray overcoat standing listening to her her speak. She had been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness. But her heart froze within her when she recognized this man. She could picture him as she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform with the visor cap, the cruelest of all of the guards at Ravensbrück camp where Corey had suffered the most horrible indignities and where her own sister had died. Yet there he was at the end of her talk, coming up the aisle towards her with his hand thrust out. Thank you for your incredible message, he said. How wonderful it is to know that all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea and that God remembers them no more. Yeah, Corey had said that. She had spoken so easily of God's forgiveness, but here was a man whom she despised and condemned with every fiber of her being. She could not take his hand could not extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized this man didn't remember her. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands? You mentioned Ravensbrook, the man continued, his hand still extended. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. But since then, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did. But I know God has forgiven me. Please, if you would, I'd just love to hear from your lips too that assurance that God has forgiven me. Corey Tinboom, in her book, writes, journals her response in that moment. She says, in her words, I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive this man. It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. But I had to do it. I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. Still, I stood there with this coldness clutching my heart. And so woodenly and mechanically, she writes, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. You see, the current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then when this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did right then. Church, let me challenge you with something today. You may not have as dramatic a story of Corey Timboom, but the truth of God's word plays into all of our lives. Those people, those situations, those, those instances that have happened in our lives that we are continuing to harbor unforgiveness. The Bible says that if we come to the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm so grateful that you forgive us, that our forgiveness from the Father is contingent upon us as followers of Jesus forgiving each other. You say, Pastor John, that's really difficult. I know. 
That's why when we follow Jesus, we say, God, I need you to help me with this because I need to forgive that person. And I want to live in the fullness that you have for me. But there's a hindrance there when I have unforgiveness in my heart. That's the journey that God's taken us on this morning. That's the story continuing in our lives. How can great men and women have such legacy? Corey Tinbo, Nelson Mandela, Joseph in the scripture, right? We, we see all of these stories. Jesus himself, they offer forgiveness. When people may not have deserved it, they looked unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him. The joy, are you kidding me? The joy that was set before him endured and went to the cross for me. So that when I see Jesus and his forgiveness for me, I am able to offer that to other people. Church, let us be people that are known for the forgiveness we offer and the grace that we reflect to other people. Would you stand with me all over this room? Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, would you just lift your hands right now and thank him for the truth of his word that he does forgive us. Father, I thank you for your grace that is so present in this place. God, it's, it's present corporately, but God, your grace is, is overflowing in the lives represented in this place. I thank you, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to purchase that, that forgiveness for us. God, you are a just and holy God, and yet your son paid the price for and for those in this room that have accepted that gift of forgiveness. And for that, we are so grateful. We are so grateful. Church, I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. And as we do, um, I know those, those of you on the prayer team, if you can go ahead and lift your eyes and come forward, I want you to join me here at the front. But the rest of us, if you just close your eyes and bow your heads just so we don't have distractions, here in this room and you'd say, Pastor John, I have never asked Jesus to come into my heart. And you talk about this forgiveness, but I'm really struggling that God can forgive me for what I have done. And I'm here to tell you that nothing that you have done is too great for God's word to come and connect with you and forgive you. That's the beauty of it. That's why he can say it's contingent upon that, that relationship because his forgiveness is all encompassing. And if you're in this room and you say, I'd love to be included in this closing prayer and just ask Jesus to come into my heart. If you're here in the room, would you do me a favor and would you just raise your hand real quickly in this room? Let me recognize you and you can put it right back down. You say, Pastor John, I'd love to be included in this prayer at the end of our service today. Are you here today? Please include me in this prayer. Anybody? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're online with us today, there's a link that will be popping up. Our online campus pastor would love to connect with you as well for, with that prayer. Thank you for these hands. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else? If you're joining with us online, we're going to pray this prayer in this room. And if you make that decision and want to make that decision, the prayer simply is this. For those of you in the room, you can pray this prayer too. It says, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me of those sins. I accept the payment that you paid on the cross as a penalty, as a payment for my sins. I commit to live my life for you from this day forward. Help me be the Savior of my life and be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, if you're here today, the other part of this forgiveness equation is forgiveness for others. You say, you know what, it's really difficult. I want to pray for that person, but it's really hard. We've got some amazing friends up here at the front that we would, by our posture, even being here, we'd love to say to you, hey, let's let's pray together. We don't need to know all the details. You can tell us whatever you want, but we just want to join our hearts with you and pray together with you. Maybe there's a situation that you need to forgive someone, and this is the first step. We're also here to pray with you if there's a need in your, in your body. James says that the elders of the church will come forward in the prayer of faith as you should come and save the sick and it would be a healing time we'd love to pray together with you don't miss that opportunity 
I know you've got lunch plans. I get it. I understand it. But boy, this forgiveness deal is a big deal. And we'd love to pray together with you. So as we dismiss today, if you want us to pray together with you, please come forward. And uh, we would love to do that. So as we conclude, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you just like it did Stephen's and gave him the strength to forgive. May his face shine upon you and you're coming and going. May you be a reflection of God's grace in this community and your family as we offer forgiveness to those that are around us. God bless you. You Come forward and let us pray together with you if you would desire that today. Have a great week.